Hello, this is episode 375 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha Riley. So I'm not really sure what this episode is about. I think it's one of those ones where I'm going to record it and then name it afterwards. So a kind of a few kind of housekeeping parts for me. I did eventually manage to take some time off grid having sort of tried to do that all summer and it, it didn't it didn't really happen with the energy which is okay. There there are summers like that where people need a lot of contact and that's just how it is. And it also I I wanted to finish putting together a sort of a first kind of draft of a book. I've been making some artwork for an exhibition that's in November. You know, so there's been quite quite a bit happening in the background. I took a bit of a sabbatical from the Patreon club, the Authentic Expression Creators Club. We're about to restart that again. There's a bit of a debate taking place on the, the time of that, which may sort of give a little bit more flexibility to people attending. So we're looking at a sort of a European early time and a later US time. And that will hopefully allow people from the likes of Asia to also take part as well. I was going to drop my subscription channel and I've decided not to. Um, I'm going to keep with what I've sort of dubbed the starseed journey space. And when I do create authentic expression podcasts again, I will make those publicly available in the beginning. I don't, I still don't like the name of the Starseed podcast and I'm having some pretty deep, meaningful conversations in the background at the moment with people close in my tribe around energy, where I'm working from, some research I wrote up, well I started writing up four years ago that I haven't really spoken about. And the irony in this is that I I really struggle to see myself. I always have. And I don't understand my differences and my differences in in frame of reference. Then I've got to try and put language to those differences. And I think there's so much language in terms of the spiritualism, in terms of the self-development community, then I, I truly detest, you know, to be perfectly honest. And it's an, it, you know, this research that I've kind of sat on shows actually why those environments are so egotistical. And it's, you know, at times I could do with a little bit of ego that allowed me to at least kind of, you know, present where I am and, and you know, the, the space that I'm operating from. You know, you kind of joke about having a different operating system. But I don't have that. I I don't have that ability to see it. And that's why I continually ask parents for their own language in what I am. And I'm also different things to different people. I'm, you know, as I said to someone yesterday, I'm whatever you need me to be. I'm, I'm meeting people where they are at. And so, you know, with that sort of flexibility in working... It, it is difficult. It's difficult when you try to refine things. And so I still, I still don't like the language around that, but I still need that space. And the reason I'm asking people to invest in listening to that space is because there's a part of you in investing in, in, in being in that, that energy field and in that 
zone of working and in the same way with my patreon after the hosting the sort of first round of the of the club i have streamlined my patreon as well to create what i'm calling a cosmic circle which is the the really out there ungrounded untethered work in the same way that people have invested in that work and in the openness of receiving it and not projecting back to me and there are signing up to do a level of work to read it rather than just sort of throw energy back. It's important when I'm working on new work and it's not being grounded and it's not ready for mainstream. It's really important for me as a creator to have that space to put work into. So I'll put some some links into the description, but those those two spaces that that podcast subscription series and that cosmic circle are going to remain for that work that's really ungrounded so that I can continue to have some audience for it but the right audience at the right time essentially so that may have been kind of confusing for people because I I don't think I, I think I was testing what I wanted to do For the rest of my Patreon, you have full access to the rest of my work. You also have the choice, um, because now Patreon has offered new services to me as well, which makes it handy. There's a sort of a, a collective, there's collections now, and there's a shop space, which allows me to do things like put up the teen book. Um, so rather than you having to be a Patreon member to read the teen book, you have the option to purchase it there. And you'll also have the option to purchase the Starseed podcast as well. So again, so there's a sort of a nominal investment to engage with that work. But the rest of my Patreon is completely accessible and there will still be open podcasts. There will still be extended podcasts for the Patreons as well, which are just a bit more private about, you know, what's taking place in my life so yeah so that's that's some of the background in I suppose some of the journey that I I have been doing over the last few months in sort of refining what I needed as a creator and I think hosting the authentic expression creator space has kind of allowed me to really hone in on that and I'm going to continue sort of teasing apart this journey in in how I'm holding energy and feeling energy and just working from a slightly different frame of reference in that and in how I hold people and I and how I mentor others to hold people cleanly and then having a greater awareness in it that's becoming a really big theme of my work there's a whole set of people I'm working with in terms of mentoring them in how they hold space and how they hold energy and their needs within that. Which I think, again, writing the book of needs has really helped to refine that for me. So this series of the podcast, I I introduced it with some Barbie episode. And it was sort of not my choice in film. I said, you know, to the friend I went to it with that, you know, I'll probably die from the pink. It was one of those films I had to go see because my teens were going to see it and I was seeing interesting impacts for them. I was seeing people, you know, take to bed for two days after seeing it but not really connecting the dots that that was why they had been knocked off kilter again. And so I I do feel that it has opened a lot of 
conversations dealt with none of them um, still manage to to make people feel very excluded if they're not Barbie and in terms of like our, our pandemic our pando trajectory of humanity like it was kind of like the equivalent of the no coward phase you know there was there was I remember discussing with an arts friend you know what the trends would be after the pandemic and it's substanceless in a way and light and fluffy and superficial and you're not really engaging with it was the sort of vibe we thought that would take place and so people are kind of still in a bit of a a denial space and then there's such difficult narratives in the world around climate change war destruction you know um I thought one friend, you know, summed it up beautifully to me last week and said, you know, the planet's not screwed. Humanity is. You know, the planet will be just fine. And it would be really good, actually, if we were a bit more honest about that conversation. And, you know, it's not about saving the planet. It's about humanity saving themselves and learning how to react within that and how to make choices within it and how to deal with really big monsters around migration equality how we treat people how we allow them to to travel between countries how we embrace them what opportunities we give them what opportunities we help to create within their own lands so they don't feel like they're constantly chasing a dream you know there it's not about us saving the planet it's about us thinking about finally saving ourselves. And, you know, so the, the, you know, the Barbie hasn't exactly added to that conversation. And I think some of the other conversations I've had in the last few months is like, you know, it, it feels like a luxury for me to have a haircut. And, you know, I'm... I'm also even incredibly fussy about who cuts my hair because it has to be an enjoyable experience for me. And I have to be having an energy reset rather than gaining a bucket load of other crap energy on top of how I'm feeling. And I actually schedule haircuts, you know, as a, as a reset for me around work. And one of the, the, the aspects I've, I've never understood is how people don't need to have their hair cut. Because for me, it has it, it always been an energy reset. And, you know, even during the pandemic, I cut my own hair because I, I still needed that. And I still continued to have um, a, a regime or a lifestyle that promoted my healthiness and like when I look at people what I'm looking for is their their natural health like I'm looking at their nails to see you know are are they got a self-worth in in taking care of themselves is there a level of of health there or are they lacking vitamins and deficient both in their self-worth and in their diet so that their nails are breaking. I'm looking at the state of people's skins. It's a really big deal for teens to have acne. And the acne medication that's available comes with 
very scary side effects. And so there were many herbal alternatives that I'll suggest to people, but it is like, it's a big deal as a teen not to have good skin. Um, particularly for, for boys who have, who have acne. And also, you know, looking at dietary elements with people. So it is like, it's a very holistic view when I'm, I'm looking at someone and I'm seeing, you know, do you look like you're sleeping well? You know, and, and sleeping well is not necessary. Not I'm, I, I disagree with the idea that everyone has to sleep eight or ten or twelve hours. You know, and we need to sleep different amounts at different ages as well. And we need to sleep in different ways. And like creative people always have a different sleep schedule. And I've, I've recorded a whole podcast about that in the past. You know, so, so like the aspects that I'm looking for in people are all natural. You know, they're they're natural indicators of healthiness and well-being but we're living in a society you know which is back to the barbie world where everything is plastic dyed plucked and superficial like between our eyelashes being dyed every few weeks our eyebrows being treaded our gel nails you know and so there's an aspect for me, and this goes back to this sort of um, this this sort of postmodernist view of of people, where you kind of if you kind of sort of dismantle it a bit, there's no substance. Like, does it really matter if we're having a conversation on gender freedom, or we're having a conversation on women's liberation or their freedom? if they still feel such pressures to look so unattainably plastic and unnatural? Does it matter which gender is performing to those expectations? Have you really gained anything? And so it's like as if we live in a world where there's a very large percentage of it is driven by painting on a superficial paint with very little substance below it and pretending to be something that they're not feeling and without all of it which almost frankly feels like war paint for many of my teens like it's it's a war paint that they paint on every day in order to be able to face the world you know there's there's no substance to that there's no actual real confidence or really good, holistic, centered, healthy, grounded feeling it, you know, where your body is in alignment and you're healthy and you have enough energy and you don't feel strung out and you're not forcing yourself to match some ideal that, frankly, is a little bit unattainable. Like, for me, I judge the, you know, the condition of my hair and my nails as to, to see how I'm doing in terms of my vitamins and how I'm doing in terms of my diet. How do you do that when you keep sticking gels on your nails and those automatically make them brittle? How do you even have that benchmark? So it is, like, like all aspects of postmodernism has encouraged us to, to reach some sort of end goal of perfection 
while not navigating any of the reality and the substance that's below that. And it, and it doesn't matter whether I look at the trends in the fashion industry and like I do buy Vogue every September as a kind of a benchmark. And the difference between Vogue this September and Vogue last September is so striking because frankly the heroin look is out. And I'm so ecstatically happy about that. But that is going to take a period of time for society to catch up with that and realise that having a physique that frankly looks like you're on drugs and that unhealthy is no longer the image that we're looking for. It's going to take a period of time for that to, to work its way through and to leave in the same way as the fashion that's presented in Vogue will take a period of time to hit the high streets in a way that's, you know, affordable for the masses. Well, the same trajectory in terms of image and in terms of style and in terms of persona and identity that we're striving for will take a period of time to, to work its way through society as well. You know, there are so many conversations at the moment taking place around the impacts of social media on teens, which kind of goes part and parcel with all of this, you know, the image, the focus on image. But most of the teens I'm working with are not on social media. They're choosing to, to not be part of that world because it doesn't speak to them, but they're still not feeling good in that because they think that they're being left out of something. And so that's kind of like, if you want to have a conversation on the impacts of social media, it's not as simple to say, oh, well, all the people logged in are being impacted in this way. It's a bigger conversation. It's kind of like there's an expectation in the world now to have a pseudo persona. And that's the issue. It doesn't matter whether you're logged in or not. It's the, it's the construct of what we think we should be moving as. And so there's a lot more substance there to unravel in that conversation. There's a lot more, in a way, it's, it's simpler to, to help people to, to suddenly to decide that actually being myself is okay. And actually being a bit more real than the rest of my friends is, you know, or the, the, the people who are not friends. But, you know, it's, it's a bit easier for me to decide actually I'm doing something that they can't do. I'm actually being a little bit braver and a bit more courageous here in sitting in my own lane. And actually I shouldn't feel bad about that. So for me, ironically, most of the, the, the conversations that are being driven by researchers come with so many assumptions and so little objectivity of their own place and their own performance in these games and their own sense of self and what they're bringing to the conversations that they're not really doing any research. <laughs> they're really just presenting forward their assumptions. Like in a way, for me, social media has allowed me to make connections throughout the planet. And for all of the people who are sitting on the sidelines and saying that it's bad, and all the people who are feeling isolated, 
they are missing great opportunities to connect with really niche, like-minded people. And yes, that takes a little bit of stripping out. It takes a little bit of awareness. It takes a sense of willpower to turn off your notifications. It takes a sense of deciding how many hours a day you're going to spend in contact with people. But ultimately, it has allowed us all to be so connected. And that the, the realness of that connection is determined in your own behaviour.